Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we're going to take a look at Venus in Capricorn trining Uranus in the sign of Taurus. We're going to take a look at this from the standpoint of five different themes to watch for. One of my favorite ways of breaking down any archetypal combination, if you guys are new to the channel, is to look at a list of the different ways in which the planets combine and express themselves um, on an archetypal level. So we're going to do that today, considering that they are also in a trine and not a square or an opposition or even a conjunction. The trine is unique. It's of the nature of Jupiter. It's a little smoother and easier. So some slightly different significations than those we might look at in other situations that Venus and Uranus find themselves in. But anyway, we'll do that today. And there are some, you know, some really, I think some different themes that I've never touched on before. And uh, so I'm excited about this one. Anyway, um, as always, before we get into it, it takes two seconds. If you don't mind pressing the like button, it really helps the channel to grow. Um, and uh, we, we appreciate if you're new, subscribing to the channel and sharing your comments and reflections, especially if you have a transit that's affecting you personally and you have a good story to share. You can use the hashtag grabbed, tell us the transit, and then tell us the story. One of the names that ancient Indian astrologers had for the planets were grahas, which means to grab, but it can also mean to grasp. And so when the planets show up in our lives, they kind of seize our consciousness, but we come to understand something because of it. We try to gather those stories on this channel from all of you and occasionally do a storytelling episode, getting closer to doing one. I think probably in the next week or two, I'll be doing one. So anyway, uh, if you have a story to share about Venus Uranus or any other transit, feel free to use that. If you want, you can email us your story, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. You can find a transcript of any of my daily talks, including today on the website, nightlightastrology.com. I want to take you over there right now because I've got an event coming up on February 15th that I want to invite you guys to check out. You go to the website, click on the live events tab, or go under the events menu and click on live events. You'll be taken over to see a webinar that I'm doing on Pluto in love and relationships. So this is one of a three-part series I'm going to be doing, uh, one in February, one in March, and one in April. We'll do Pluto, Neptune, and then Uranus in April. Uh, and we'll be looking at the significations of Pluto in the natal chart when it affects love and relationships, and also by transit, if it's transiting, say, to your natal Venus or through your seventh house or to planets in the seventh, or the ruler of the seventh. So... Pluto, one of the more, you know, feared planets. But in this series, we're really going to talk about what is Pluto doing in our lives? What is Pluto trying to get us to learn or understand? What is the meaning or benefits of a Pluto transit, especially when it comes to love and relationships, or more broadly speaking, sexuality? So uh, check out that talk. It's February 15th from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can register on the website. And when you do, if you cannot make the the live webinar, which you'll get a link for afterward, we also send you a link to download the recording so that if you can't make it live, you can always watch it on your own later and uh, you know download it to your device or whatever. So anyway, I hope to see some of you there. Any questions about that or any of the other courses that you find on our website, feel free to email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Okay, now on that note, let us go and uh, take a look at the transits. Here we are. <clears throat> so here we have it. You can see that Wednesday, here we are. You have Venus at about 18 and change as of the morning, Wednesday, February 7th. Now you would have been feeling this from say February 5th all the way through, let's call it the 9th. So this entire week, you can really feel the connection of Venus and Uranus. Their symbolism is apparent. Maybe you feel it energetically. Maybe you notice it in your experiences in some uh, area of your life. Maybe you're just feeling it psychologically, emotionally. 
But those two planets are connecting. If we drag this along, go forward a day, you'll see that by tomorrow, uh, Venus is already in a degree of separation. And uh, we're getting, getting into about three degrees of separation, which is the engagement range by Saturday. So actually, you could stretch this on to about February 10th that it's in effect. And there's a lot of other things going on. The new moon coming up in Aquarius. We'll be exploring that in a separate video. That new moon, uh, as well as the sun, are squaring Uranus at the time of the new moon. So spending a lot of time uh, later this week on that. But uh, today I want to spend some time talking about Venus and Uranus. Venus is in, as she makes the trine to Uranus, she is in her own bound. And uh, Uranus is, of course, in the domicile of Venus. So uh, a lot of Venusian power in the sky. We've been mentioning that a lot lately, just to really emphasize how strong the needs or desires of Venus are at this time. Anyway, all of that being said, Venus is um, also in what we call the superior position. Now, I don't really think about the superior-inferior distinction that ancient astrologers made when an outer planet is involved. But if we were to consider it, Venus would sort of be leading the, her agenda would be a little bit more dominant right now than say Uranus. But we don't, we'll, we'll just leave it as a question mark as to how much the outer planets participate in the inferior and superior distinction of aspects that ancient astrologers made. And if you're not aware of what that is, you can go back in some of my videos. If you search aspects, you'll find me talking about aspect theory. But um, anyway, so five themes to watch for. One, I'm going to call the runner's high. Now, this might sound weird, but although we may want to think about specific Venusian things like relationships or love or art or women or something very specific like a piece of jewelry, all Venusian things that come to mind, we have to remember that Venus also broadly represented happiness. Just that sense, that everyday sense that you're living in a fortunate moment, you know? And I think a lot of us, we forget those moments are Venuses in a, in a way. Well, I, I enjoyed my breakfast. I've had a relatively good day. I've enjoyed the music I'm listening to. It wasn't so bad at work today. I had a fun night with some friends. It's not like, you know, it's not like you've been taken to Bliss Mountain or something, <laughs> you know, but you feel happy. You feel like, yeah, it's, it's a flowy, easy, nice day with some more good features than not. This is a good day. And I think that um, one of the best ways to offer, you know, something on the altar to Venus is to simply express, acknowledge gratitude for the, 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 the moments of harmony and good fortune that we have. That's a very simple Venusian thing. Venus signification for thousands of years. Just the everyday good fortune. Not good fortune like winning the lottery. Good fortune like it's sunny. I got outside. I had a good one. All right. So if you take that and extend it a little bit, when you have Venus in an earth sign like Capricorn that likes to work incrementally, work its way up a mountain, uh, when you connect it with Uranus in Taurus, uh, a god of breakthroughs, you could really say that by doing, by virtue of having done some difficult things, by having worked, by having um, attended to some duties in our life or some obligations or anything that we've been putting a little bit of uh, sacrifice, you know, sacrificial energy into the sacred fires of the, of the universe, you know, that there's a moment with that hard work where you, st you hit a breakthrough. It, it, 
it's less about work and more about joy. So the way that I decided to try to describe this is through runner's high. Now I am someone at, at in my forties. Now I have to like use the elliptical because it hurts my knees too much to use the, the treadmill. It's so sad, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I use the elliptical, but when I'm going on the elliptical, you know, and I'm getting my heart rate up and whatever for a little while, it's like, Oh, uh, but then it always happens. You know, I don't know, maybe 15, 10 minutes in or something where I start hitting my stride and my, my, my breath is going and I, there's a breakthrough and you guys know this it's in any exercise. It could even be in gardening. Okay. Like it's any kind of work. I'm just using the runner's high as an example where it shifts from a duty and an obligation and something you have to kind of get yourself up for. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is actually fun. I'm actually enjoying this. I think of this as the runner's high. There's also a very strange thing that happens in life, which is, um, something I've been meditating on a lot lately because um, this morning as I am making this video in just a couple of hours, uh, and I make these videos a little bit in advance, okay? So I'm making this video around the last quarter moon in Scorpio, and I, I make them a little bit in advance because we have an editing process and stuff like that. So so it's this last last quarter moon in Scorpio, we found out just a couple of days ago that our 11 year old dog has um, really advanced cancer and is ready to leave her body. So after I'm done recording this, um, we have a, a service that comes to the home and uh, helps put the animal down in a comfortable environment, you know, put them to sleep and help, help our dog Rhea leave her body. And um, it's funny because I've been going through just waves of like grief and um and i got a cold at the same time and uh what i will say is that there's a, a something that's and i i remember this from ayahuasca experiences as well which is just my own that's what i that's my that's the main experience i can draw on i'm not saying you have to go drink I, every anytime i mention ayahuasca people seem to think that i think that everyone ought to do it it's not how i feel but anyway in ayahuasca ceremonies, a very similar feeling where somewhere in the processing of pain, it's as though I can see some metaphorical wings, uh, some, some lightning presence within my psyche that's growing. And um, when faced with mortality and loss and grief of a, of a beloved family member, and I, I for, you know, for us, of course, that's a, that's our dog just as much as it is any person, you know, um, there's this weird way in which you can, you can feel that things are lightening. There's a release, there's a relief in the midst of the processing of heavy things that the heaviness and the lightness are, are like, they come from each other. There's this famous essay that I've been thinking about a lot lately by James Hillman. And of course he's you know, you guys know he's sort of one of my intellectual guides in this life uh, and, and spiritual, I think, psychological. He has this essay called Silver in the White Earth. And in that essay, he talks a lot about how um, silver, which he equates with the, the soul, the soul's metal, the moon's metal, and the soul as really a part of us that derives its meaning and its sense of self in and through experience 
It's not interested in like leaving the body, leaving this world, transcending this world, transcending the body, transcending experience or transcending personal history. It is what it is in so many ways because of its experiences. And um, it's the imminent feature rather than the transcendent function, you could say, the soul. Uh, but the soul, the metal of the soul is silver and it has to be mined from lead from the the rock from the hardness from the hard stuff but it's this incredibly beautiful light lunar uh otherworldly material that glistens and mirrors and it's as though this week as these waves of grief have been coming by um that i've been finding some silver that i've been finding some lightness and believe it or not you know, again, as much as we want to think about Venus and Uranus in terms of just um, all of the, well, there's going to be breakthroughs in your relationships or love or art or, and yes, like all of those things, all those specific, but Venus is also just about lightness and happiness and flow and harmony as qualities of experience, like the, the flow of a good song you're listening to on your headphones when you're going for a walk. It's just like, that's Venus. And when Venus in Capricorn, the sign of Saturn, sign of lead you know saturn the planet of lead i should say when that planet trines uranus and taurus it is as though lightness can come through from something heavy so i use runner's high as an example but i also think about the lightness that happens when you know we have to face things limitations and hard the hard things about life like you know like death and loss um I, I took my dog Rhea for a walk last night. It was the last walk I'll ever, that I'll ever, I'll ever take her on. And uh, I know this is really, really like such a simple thing. Maybe you can relate. I realized I was like, man, whenever she wants to sniff around, and you know how dogs, when you take them on a walk, they really like to do their sniffing. She's like, man, over the years, I've been so impatient with her sniffing the earth. I felt this tremendous lightness. It was very healing. And I thought it was really interesting because as we were walking, she's stopped eating, you know, she's ready to leave her body. She stopped eating. And uh, you're just going for a short little gentle walk. And it's funny because I was like, do you want to go for a walk? She's still just as excited as, you know, she was when she was like a puppy. And as we were walking, she pulled back to like, I want to sniff. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sniff, you know. And her collar, because she's been losing weight and everything, and her collar just slipped right off her neck. And I just thought, oh, yeah, yeah, it's time to leave the body, you know, it's time to leave some of the things that have been limiting. Not that the body is a prison, you know, but at a certain point, it becomes a limitation that it drops off. It becomes a, a boundary or a threshold that you're ready to cross over. And uh, I just kept, there was, as this is happening, there are other Uranus transits in the sky. And I just thought, wow, yeah, there's this, it's hard to say goodbye. It's hard to let go, but there's this, um, 
there's just lightness that comes. So anyway, I've been thinking a lot about this transit, all the transits from Capricorn to Taurus, and just how there's this uh, way in which things get so light uh, and um, in the midst of, of hard, difficult, or you know things that we might consider work. But in the process, somewhere, th something suddenly gets light. It's very Venus trine Uranus from Capricorn to Taurus. <clears throat> and I know that later today, after she leaves her body, that although it'll be hard, I know that there'll be a lightness. Well, one of the things that I also really love about Venus Uranus, <laughs> sorry, is um, it's amazing how whenever Venus contacts Uranus, and it really, this is like, doesn't matter what aspect. I think it's much easier with the trine than it is with the square opposition, which tend to generate this signification through more tension, you know, <laughs> and like uh, more boiling inside. But the trine, not as much, but it's artistic originality. It could be in the way that you organize your space or in an artistic project or the way you're doing your job or the way you're raising your kids. But it's like suddenly there's a new way of doing something and it's it's better not because it's smarter, but because it's more beautiful, because it's more enjoyable, because it's more harmonious. We rarely stop to think, is there a more beautiful way to do something? We tend to think, is there a more efficient way, effective way? Is there a smarter way? Is there a way that saves more time? But we rarely think, is there a way I could do this that would be more beautiful, more enjoyable? Watch for that influence. Watch for that insight or originality. Number three would be progressive, developmental, and smooth. There is a way in which anything we are working on goes from being difficult to suddenly becoming smoother, easier, more harmonious, where we're progressing along a path that requires some work or some staying power or some discipline or some maturity, some faith in a sense, faith where faith meets work or something like that. This is Venus and Capricorn uh, trining Uranus in Taurus. But suddenly, it's like momentum swings in our favor and everything becomes progressive and smooth and developmental. You might just notice right now that things in your life that have needed some tending and some work are just, just moving along smoothly. Number four, um, this is interesting because, again, if you think about Venus not so much as um, just beauty or art or women or love or relationships, but if you think about it as chemistry, for example, sometimes in sports, something that is a big hobby of mine, teams will have a number of all-stars, like incredibly individually, like high performing individuals on their team, but they won't be good as a team because there's too many individuals and the chemistry isn't there. And this is in basketball, for example, there are super teams that are constructed with a bunch of stars. Uh, there's a long history of uh, of those results not the results from such teams not being like a cha championship caliber you know so um sometimes what provides us with the most progress the most potential for benefit or breakthrough or advancement or accomplishment or achievement of our desires it comes when we work well with others so a breakthrough or an achievement 
or uh, a swing of momentum favorably that comes from enhanced chemistry, that comes from focusing on working well with within a group or within with other people in relationships. If our relationships can become more cohesive and harmonious, look at what we can achieve. And I think that's an energy that's in the air with this right now too. And then number five would be, you know, this is such a smooth, harmonious connection between Venus and Uranus. But one of the things that they can come up, that they can come uh, to represent would be something like artistic or Venusian elitism. We have the Uranian uh, qualities, which are so Promethean in nature, which means they, they, they love progress. They love advancement. They love, they love innovation. They love kind of like Prometheus, like stealing the fire from the gods. Get us as close to the realm of the gods as possible. Take that knowledge, bring it down to earth, give it to the humans. Let us advance. Let us become godlike. And so Uranus has this ability to take us beyond our limits. You know, we can go to new places that we didn't think we could go. But when it comes to that, and Venus is involved, then the shadows are the kind of elitism around like a power couple that thinks that they're better than everyone or a, um, you know, wealth, status, privilege, luxury, class, all Venusian things that become so Promethean that they, that they're inflated, that they have the hubris of like, we're so close to the gods. Look at how wealthy and creative and, you know, it's, um, I think I told a story somewhat recently that I've uh, throughout my career, you know, I've been around at times I've been around the Hollywood scene, did some readings at the American music awards one year backstage in a gifting suite. And there were so many wonderful people who absolutely were not like stereotypical, um, you know, in the Hollywood scene, like they were not rude. They were not uh, snotty or anything. But I also did see that culture, you know, it's there, it's, I think it's everywhere. But um, the point is, you know, you, when, when it comes to like intelligence, wealth, class, high minded or high cultured art, there's an, a, a snobbery that can come with it. So I think that one thing to be on alert about would be the kind of Promethean shadows of Venus, the, the pride, the arrogance, the I'm, I, my taste makes me better, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, these are just some things that come to my mind. Um, and I hope that they're useful. Uh, so I'm going to go do a hard thing now. And, um, and I know that there's going to be some lightness around it too. Um, it's funny, like my daughters, they're pretty little, you know, five and eight, and they've been asking a million questions about death this week, as you can imagine. And, uh, It's been really hard, you know, there, how do you describe death in a way that does not increase anxiety and fear in a little, in a little psyche, you know, an infinite eternal soul wise psyche, but also like little in this lifetime. And, uh, but you also maintain the mystery. You don't just, they're, they're, they're going to a, a special dog park in heaven or something, you know, you know what I mean? So the challenge has been not that that's a wrong answer either. I'm not, I don't know what's right or wrong guys. I'm just, you know, whatever. But I, I 
it's been a challenge this week to talk about, well, you know, her soul's journey will continue. It could very well, maybe it'll, it'll go and spend time in Vrindavan, which is something we talked about from the Krishna Bhakti tradition or heaven, or maybe it'll go, you know, um, choose another body to be in and continue the adventure, you know, and kind of holding open these different possibilities of what might happen in the afterlife as light and beautiful and interesting and mysterious. And then also acknowledging that like death is hard. It's hard to let go. It's hard to say goodbye. Um, it's been almost equally, uh, the challenge for me has been almost equally trying to show up as a parent, you know, as it has been like grieving and, and dealing with it myself. Um, but I wouldn't change it for the world because, uh, you know, it's like, I think I heard a quote one time that said, grief is the price we pay for love, something like that. And I don't mean grief as a bad thing. You know, it's like, it, it, it's so funny how the hurt that I've felt in my heart has been hard, but it's been more than one thing at once. It's also been this, uh, evidence that I've, I've learned to love something and I have, I have loved and I do love. Um, and, uh, and I didn't, I, I guess I didn't know that not in the way I do right now, you know, and there's a lightness in that. It's like this, I keep thinking of the image of finding silver in, in the lead. Oh yeah. I'm, you know, you go through everyday life and a, and a dog can become kind of a mundane part of your everyday life at times. Although obviously they're your beloved companion, but there's a, there's a very chop wood, carry water, like the walk the water, the food, the, you know, uh, the licks and pets and it, and it, it becomes just like a normalized part of your life. And you don't necessarily think, oh, this is this wellspring of joy that's in my life, you know, that's in its everyday mundane appearance is actually so deep and rich. It's like striking a streak of silver in a, in a dark place, the everyday mundane world. Anyway, well, uh, I didn't mean to make it too heavy today, but I hope that you guys uh, will find some of these significations useful as you explore Venus's connection with Uranus. And uh, I hope you guys have a great day. And we'll be back to explore more with the new moon um, and uh, and more content as the week goes on. All right, take it easy, everyone. Bye.